Welcome to LCC. My name is Brett. I am the young adults and worship pastor in this area. And I just wanted to say welcome. Hope you guys are having a happy Father's Day. Woo! Yes, yes. And yes, I am just overly excited because this is my first Father's Day. And I remembered. I was very happy that I remembered. Um, but yeah, before we keep worshiping, which I know we all want to do, uh, I've just got a couple of announcements that we're going to go over. And first, you know, in light of Father's Day, uh, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I woke up this morning, and my wife had bought me uh, a pony for Father's Day. It was the craziest thing. It was just right outside of our house, and I decided to name it Mayo. And believe it or not, mayonnaise. Thank you, Steck. Thank you. Yep, yep. I, it's, I feel like it. Thank you. Thank you. I really, I really like that one. Um, anyways, happy Father's Day to all of our fathers out there. We've got a lot of things uh, that are happening around here, so I want to tell you about them. First off, uh, we are going to have our intro to serving meeting next Sunday after the service. Uh, it is going to be great. If you would like to hear about how you can get involved around here, make sure to hang out after the service. Um, and lastly... We are doing something this next Saturday. Does anybody know? Anybody know what it is? June 25th. What are we doing? Luau. Luau, right. We are having a summer Hawaiian luau movie night. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Oh, wow. That's, that has words. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot it has words in it. Amazing. Um, I'm going to be so distracted by that. Thank you, Clay, for turning that down. <laughs> um, it's going to be great. We are going to have karaoke. Uh, so whether you like singing or not. Come and sing. It's going to be amazing. We are going to have popcorn. We're going to have events and games for adults and for kids. It's going to be a lot of fun. And rumor has it that the famous, world famous, some might say, Kona Ice Truck is going to be in our parking lot. Uh, I, I don't think you guys heard me. I said the Kona Ice Truck is going to be in our parking lot. Woo! It's going to be amazing. And we're going to end the night by watching the hilarious movie Cool Runnings. Because that almost has something to do with Hawaii, even though it's, a, <laughs> even though it's about a Jamaican bobsled team. Um, but yeah, it's going to be amazing. I uh, want to say thank you again for joining us this morning. If you didn't know, if you're new here, or if you are visiting from out of town because uh, someone in your family works here, like most of my family that's right here, uh, we are a bilingual church. And what's that? what that means is that we speak two languages. Not all of us. That'd be amazing. Some of us speak English. Some of us speak Spanish, and actually a good amount of people speak both at varying levels of excellence. I'm down here as far as the level of excellence. Uh, but if you didn't notice, from that last song that we sang, it actually had English and Spanish lyrics up there. And so we want to encourage you. You can sing whatever language you want, whatever language you're most comfortable with. But for this next song, Lauren and I are going to be singing in English and Spanish. We want to encourage you to sing along with us. And yes... You might fumble some words. I've done it up here before. It's okay. We don't really care about that. As long as you're trying, that's what's most important. So you guys are already standing. I'm not going to ask you guys to stand back up. Um, but as we sing this next song and as we reflect on everything that God is, everything that he has done for us, let's remember that. Yeah. Hey, let's put our hands together for the name that is worthy. You guys can have a seat. I love that line in the song. It says, 
you stand by my side and you stood in my place. It's a reminder of Christ's great sacrifice on the cross for us. Because Christ paid the penalty for our sins, for our wrongdoings, by dying on the cross, we, by putting our faith in him, we have hope, hope in eternal eternal life. This right here is the pinnacle of our faith, right? Amen? He is the reason we sing this morning. So as part of our time together, as part of our worship, we are going to take communion together. We do this about once a month. We take communion to remember that Christ stood in our place and paid the penalty for our sins when he died on that cross. So I'm going to read from Matthew 26, starting at verse 26. And it says this. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. It's powerful. God set the act of communion aside specifically for his followers. So we're going to leave it up to you um, to decide for yourself or for your family if you have any if you should participate this morning. So in a moment, I'm going to step away from the mic. Johanna is going to continue to play the piano, and we will give you some time to sit and to meditate for as long as you need. And then when you're ready, we've got two tables with the communion elements. Feel free to grab either the prepackaged elements or a cup and a piece of bread. I'll give you some time to meditate. ready, 
and grab the elements and grab them and hold on to them. Don't take them yet. We're going to do that all together. Just as a word of warning, if you have the prepackaged communion cups, if you've done this before, you know they're really hard to open. So you might want to give it a little crack or else you'll be stuck for like 30 seconds trying to open it. All right. Going back to verse 26, it says this. Jesus broke the bread into pieces, gave some to his disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. Let's eat it together. Jesus then took the cup, gave thanks to God for it, then drank it, saying, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. Let's drink together. God, we, we take time to do this every month because you are worthy. You are worthy. You're worthy of our lives, of all of our, our expectations. And God, we praise your name this morning and we thank you for everything that you have done, for everything you are doing, what you will continue to do. Please help us to fix our hearts and our minds on you this morning. Holy Spirit, please come and fill this place like a flood. We praise your name this morning. Amen. And we're going to finish our time of communion uh, by singing just another chorus of that song that we just sang. You can stay seated while we sing. We praise you, Father. All right, you guys are already seated, so I'm not going to tell you to have a seat again, but children... I want to say thank you so much for joining us for our worship this morning.
It is time to head out to Kids Life. If you look, we've got some leaders over by the doors. You can head on out there, and we will see you after the service. table and uh, you're, you, you feel like you can't eat another thing. And uh, then grandma would say, who's ready for dessert? And we're like, oh, no, really, I, I can't eat another thing. And she would always go, well, it's just ice cream. You know, ice cream just kind of like goes down between the cracks, right? <laughs> and it, you know, you can eat, eat more with, you know, you can eat ice cream even though you're full. And I would. We're in a series called Jesus and. Um, and what, what this is basically about is there's, we have a lot of things in our life. We have, you know, your career, your family, your kids, uh, your health, just all this stuff that goes on in your life. And our life is pretty full. And a lot of times, we as Christians, what we do is we treat Jesus like that ice cream. We, we, we want Jesus in our lives, but he's kind of like filling in the cracks between all the stuff that we consider important. And maybe, maybe what our lives are really like, we should reverse this and we should say, blank and Jesus, right? Because we put other things before Jesus. But that's not how God wants our lives to be. God wants our lives to be Jesus and. It says in uh, Colossians, it says, that in all things Christ may have the preeminence, that he would be preeminent in our life. That's what God wants. That's what Jesus wants. He wants to be preeminent in your life. And that's what we're doing with this series, and we're going to be talking today about Jesus and healing, uh, which is really a kind of a sensitive topic. Uh, it's sensitive for a lot of us. Um, I don't know how many of you know this, but uh, the week after Easter, um, my mother-in-law had a stroke, and she had a really bad stroke. Um, she's basically paralyzed on her entire right side. She can't see anything to the right. This is all black. Um, she can't swallow. She can't talk. Better? Okay. She can't swallow. She can't talk. And uh, she, they had to put in a, uh, called a G-tube into her stomach. So that this is how she gets fed. And we were kind of like, okay, so we'll do this for a couple weeks, and we'll have physical therapy work with her and um, see what happens. Well, physical therapy worked with her for a couple weeks and said she's not improving. So the family just kind of decided that we're going to stop feeding her. And so we're basically waiting we're waiting for Jesus to take her home. Jesus and healing is a very personal topic. It's personal for all of us because 
We've all known somebody who's sick. We all deal with it, and if, if you haven't, you will. Um, just a, a super sensitive topic. So we're going to be looking at what Jesus says about this. And I, I just tell you right off, I don't have all the answers. I, you, we're not, you're not going to walk away here going, ah, he explained everything to me. Um, but I want to look at what Jesus says about this. So we're going to be uh, looking at Luke chapter 5, verse 17, starting at verse 17. So if you want to just kind of stick your thumb in there or get it ready on your phone. Um, but before we go into that, I just this came up in, in teaching team, and I, I, this is something I just want you guys to think about. It's kind of a etherical concept. Maybe you could talk about it in your cell groups. But this whole idea right here, are we bodies with spirits or are we spirits with bodies? I, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer here, but maybe the way you look at this question would kind of change the way you think about yourself. How do we think about ourselves? Are we, are we just bodies that happen to have spirits or are we essentially a spirit with a body? I know. I just it came up in our teaching team, and I I thought it was appropriate and something we could talk about with each other and and discuss this. So, let's look at Luke chapter five. And I'm just gonna I'm gonna just kind of read through this first, and then we can talk about it a little more. Can you guys hear me? Okay, can you hear me? Okay. I always, my wife always yells at me when I use a handheld microphone because I am <laughs> holding it down here. So just, if you can't hear me, just, okay. So let's look at Luke chapter 5. Let's read through it. So one day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sin but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. And everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. It's an understatement. This story happens in all three of the synoptic gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it, in each one of them, it happens fairly early on in the gospels. So we kind of assume that it happened early on in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus had been 
healing the sick. He'd been driving out demons, and he'd been preaching about the kingdom of God. But what happened here, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, what happened here was a, made a profound difference um, in Jesus' ministry. Um, rumors about Jesus' ministry had been going on a lot, too. And we see what happened here was there were crowds of people, crowds of people in the house. There were two types of people there. There was the average Joe, the average person who uh, just kind of had heard about Jesus and wanted to know more about what was going on. And a lot of them had heard about the healing ministry of Jesus. So they were like, hey, maybe, maybe he can heal me. Then the other group of people there who were, were the Pharisees. The Pharisees were coming out as well. They wanted to see for themselves if all the rumors they had heard about Jesus were true. Um, they were basically professional sermon critics. They, they wanted to go out and see well, what was Jesus talking about, and they, they wanted to make a decision about Jesus. Early on here, there was no, they didn't really seem to have a bad opinion about Jesus or a good opinion either way. They just wanted to find out. So, Jesus is sitting here in the middle of the room, big, big crowds of people, and he's teaching about something we don't know. And all of a sudden, there's this commotion going on. And there's some kind of noise going on in the ceiling. And uh, suddenly, they realize that someone's taking the roof apart. And all this dust and debris and roofing materials start falling. And, and this hole appears in the roof. And suddenly, this, this paralyzed guy, I don't know if he's in a sling or on a mat or whatever, they let him down right in front of Jesus. Um, this guy, his friends are letting him down in front of him. So Jesus sees the faith of the paralyzed man as well as the faith of his friends who are letting him down in front of him. And, he sa and it says, when he saw their faith, he said to them, friend, your sins are forgiven you. I'm sure at that point, everything got really quiet. Because... No one expected Jesus to say that. You know, you have the Pharisees on one hand who, who it, it, it shocked them because Jesus was saying, friends, your sins are forgiven. Wait a second. The only person who can forgive sins is God himself, right? So what claim was Jesus making about himself? Jesus was, this is the first time that we see Jesus was claiming deity, that he was claiming to be God. And that was quite a shock for the Pharisees. And it was also quite a shock for the common people and for the paralyzed guy and his friends when they lowered him down and, and Jesus says something like, friend, your sins are forgiven you. They were probably like, well, wait a second. We, we didn't come here to have his sins forgiven. We came here to have him healed. This was, a, this was an unusual thing because up until this time, if you wanted forgiveness of sins, you would bring your lamb to the temple and you'd sacrifice your lamb at the temple and, the, and you'd go through the prescribed liturgy and then the, your sins would be forgiven. This is the first time we see somebody being forgiven by approaching God directly. And uh, so, so it's quite a change in what, what has happened. Um, so Jesus says, friend, 
Your sins are forgiven you. I'm, I'm, ima- I'm imagining that the paralyzed guy and his friends were thinking at this point, hey, I didn't come here to get my sins forgiven. I came to get healed. But what was Jesus' priority? Jesus' priority was forgiveness, okay? He, he was willing to heal the man, but his first priority was the man's spiritual condition, okay? Jesus knew that this guy was messed up. He knew that he was messed up on the outside, and he knew that he was messed up on the inside. The, the fact that he was messed up on the outside was plain to everybody in the room. But he also saw the inside of the man, and he saw that it was much more essential much more urgent to heal his deep spiritual need. God sees, he's, God sees into the heart of the man when all we can see is the outside, the physical part of man. Uh, we might look great on the outside. You might be sitting there and going, Mike, you look great on the outside. <laughs> but inside, we all know that we're messed up. That's a, that's a tenant of our church here is we're all messed up people. God, that's what God sees on the inside. But we often prioritize things like physical healing or helping to meet the physical needs of people. And the problem is, by doing that, basically what we're doing is we're putting a Band-Aid on cancer. If all we're doing is meeting the physical needs of people but not bringing them to Jesus, then we're not having an eternal impact on people. And that's really sobering. (laughs) That's really sobering for me as a physician and it's, you know, it's sobering for us as a church, too, because, I, I mean, we have a terrific thing back here. We have the, um, the food pantry back here, and it's a terrific thing. We're helping to meet the physical needs of a lot of people by, by helping them out and by donating food and things, and that's all great. But we also need, it's, it's twice as important to meet their spiritual needs as well. And as we go on, we see that Jesus does meet the physical needs of people. He turned... He turned to the people in the room. He says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he turned to the man and he said, I tell you, take up your mat and go home. Jesus never minimalized physical healing. He never minimalized meeting the physical needs of people. In fact, we're going to be talking about that next week, how Jesus fed five, the 5,000 people. Jesus met those physical needs as well. Jesus want, But Jesus wants to heal us from the inside out. He wants to heal our sickness and infirmity, but he's also really uh, prioritizes our spiritual warfare. Now, there's something else in those verses that I, I, I kind of want to go off on a little tangent because I loved, I loved reading uh, this verse because there's another thing that really sticks out here. Um, and... Uh, I'd like to mention it before I get back to the healing thing. Uh, The guys bringing their friend to be healed by Jesus. I think this is just a cool story. The the man's friends obviously were not, probably not looking for their paralyzed friend to get forgiveness. They wanted their friend to be healed. Uh, But their actions are a great illustration for us about all we can do to bring our friends to Jesus. Okay? Verse 20 says, it, it Verse 20 says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw the friends and the paralyzed man's faith, he turned to the man and said, your your sins are forgiven. So what does that mean for us? 
It means that you and I can help save our friends, our neighbors, and our relatives. Ultimately, they must place their faith in him, but it's often our faith in God that brings them before Jesus. They might be paralyzed in sin, but we can go to them and say, you know, I know someone who can heal you. I, I, I like to picture what that situation was like when they, they arrive at the house with their paralyzed friend on a mat. And there's just so many people at the house. There's so many people around the door that they can't get in. So it says that they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles. So let, you know, let me just bring up a couple points here what they did. They used, number one is they used creativity, okay? They got to the house. They saw the, the door was all blocked, and they said, hmm, how about the roof? Let's go up to the roof. When they saw a closed door, they saw an empty roof. When you can't reach somebody one way, maybe you can reach them some other way. We, we need to be creative. You know, uh, when, um, when my family and I, we were missionaries in Asia, we couldn't just go go over there and get on a soapbox and start preaching on the corner. We couldn't bring in a, a load of Bibles. We couldn't have Bible studies in our home. We had to be creative. We had to think of new ways that we could reach the people for Christ. So, you know, I was enrolled as a university student. Um, some people were English teachers. I know this one guy who opened a Ford dealership in the capital city, and he used that, we all use that, as an opportunity to make friends, to make relationships, and then in, in the context of those relationships, we shared Christ with the people. That's, that's just an example of using creativity to reach, our, reach people for Christ. What, what else did they do? They had a sense of urgency, okay? Uh, they didn't wait until the crowd was dispersed. Uh, they didn't tell their friends, well, it must not be God's timing. We'll do this another time. Their friend needed help. Their friend needed healing. He needed Jesus. And they didn't let the crowd stop them. There was also some sacrifice involved. Now, I don't know who owned the house, but somebody sacrificed their roof. Sometimes there's sacrifice involved. Um, Sometimes uh, material things need to be sacrificed to get people to come to Christ. I, I, I knew this guy who opened up his house to homeless people uh, to give them a place to stay. And more than once, he would get up in the morning and find out that the homeless guy had used the corner of his house as a toilet. Um, sometimes that happens. It didn't, it didn't bother him that much because it was just material things. They were persistent. This is, this is what Jesus rewarded. Jesus saw their persistence, that they were willing to do anything to get their friend in front of him. Jesus saw that as true faith, and he rewarded it. And finally, it was, it was a team effort, right? Uh, the most important thing was getting the, the man to Jesus. It wasn't so much who did it. Who took credit for it? They worked together because they love their friend. 
I just thought that was kind of cool. It's a little tangent. But um, so let's get back to, to healing, okay? I, I think there's two extremes in the church today when it comes to healing. The first extreme, and by the way, both of these are wrong. The first, the first extreme is that Jesus doesn't heal anymore, that God, God doesn't heal anymore. Basically, this is the theory that God's power petered out when Peter petered out. But it's simply unbiblical. Um, there's no evidence from Scripture that God has changed. Uh, the God who lived in Moses, in Elijah's day, the God who lived in Peter and Paul's day, is the same God who lives today. And he hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. So that extreme is wrong. There's the other extreme that many people in the church have today, that this is, it's kind of a works-based mentality, right? That we have to do something to be healed. If you just have enough faith, if you just believed enough, you'd be healed. That's heresy. It, that it's a horrible thing uh, to tell somebody who's struggling and suffering with sickness something like that, because all it does is it heaps condemnation on them. I'm not good enough. My faith isn't strong enough. So there must be something wrong with me that I'm not being healed. It goes it, that kind of goes hand in hand with the belief that sickness is some sort of punishment that you're being punished for something you did, some sin in your life um, that you've done, and that's why you're sick. Jesus never implied that the man's paralysis was a result of some sort of sin in his life, which is what the rabbis at the time taught. Jesus teaches us that suffering and sin is, is part of sin. It's part of our human our fallen flesh, um, sin has alienated us from God. And therefore, we, we live in this world with sin and death. So that's, this is my theory, okay? My theory is that we live in a time of history in which there's this tension. The tension between what was and what will be one day. What was is that God created us, in a, and everything was perfect. It was a perfect world. Our bodies were perfect. There was no sin. There was no death. There was no sickness. But then sin came into the world, and all that was left behind. God's promise is that one day that will all be restored. And we see that in the book of Revelation that there'll be no more sickness or death or sorrow. But right now, we live in this time between, this era, I like to call it an era of darkness, sin, and death. And we live in this tension. It's kind of the, it's kind of the same thing as the tension that you have. You, you, know, you know that when you became a Christian, God forgave your sin and... God no longer sees you as a sinner, but he sees you as his son or daughter. He sees you perfect in his eyes. That's reality. 
But it's also reality that we live in this tension because we still struggle with sin in our lives. We still, we're still in this era of sin and death where we struggle with that. But we know that ultimately, that ultimately we're going to overcome. So it's that tension that we live in. And Paul actually talks about this. And he talks about it in Romans chapter 8. Let me just read this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pain of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we, yet, we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we, don't know, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. I, I, I love this chapter because it shows that tension. It shows that all of creation is groaning and, and, and waiting for for this time when all things are going to be restored. Okay. All of creation has been impacted by sin, including us as believers. Uh, and we're all frustrated with our fallen bodies and the corruption that we see all around us. But in this time of frustration, we know that, it, that in all things, for those of us who love God, all things work together for good. So that leads us to the to the tough question. What, what about healing? Let's be, let's be totally honest here. We all know people, maybe even ourselves, who've des desperately prayed for healing. And it didn't happen, right? We've all seen this. I also believe that I've prayed for people. I've prayed for myself when I'm really sick. And they go, God, heal me. And sometimes I miss it, but God often does heal us, right? But often we don't give the glory to God for it. I feel we all go, well, it was the antibiotics. It was the surgery. And God does use those things. But do you ever feel sometimes like we're the, the ten lepers who Jesus heals, but only one of them actually acknowledges that he healed them. I, I know that's true for me. 
I often don't go back to God and give him the glory for it. Here's a question. If, if the man who is lowered down in front of Jesus was only forgiven, if Jesus only said your sins are forgiven and didn't heal him, would that have been good enough? Because in reality, that's what happens all the time, right? That's what happens in our lives too. People that we pray for are not healed. We, is that good enough? Isn't, isn't that what's happening to my mother-in-law? What, is, what does that mean? The reality is sometimes we pray for people and they aren't healed. What does that mean? Does that mean that God doesn't hear our prayers? Does that mean that he doesn't love us or care enough to heal? Let me, and, and I, I don't necessarily have the answer to that. All I know is Jesus' priority with the man on the mat was that his soul be healed. That he receive the forgiveness of sins. And I think that's God's priority for us is that we be made whole, that we be made entire. And what that means is in God's hands, isn't it? Let me bring up a couple points here. And these are, these are things that I just, maybe you could talk about in your cell group and kind of discuss what this means for you. Number one, if you're struggling with illness or disability or anything, it's not necessarily your fault. And I had to put that word necessarily in there because I'm going to talk about that in a minute. A lot of us take this condemnation on ourselves. A lot of us feel that we've done something wrong, that we're being punished for having sin in our lives. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for teaching that. I, you know, I actually knew somebody who, who told people that if you got cancer, it was because you harbored bitterness in your heart. I knew somebody who taught that. And that is, that it's completely wrong. If you ever want a really interesting reading, read John chapter 9. This is the account of the man born blind, remember? And uh, people came up to Jesus and he said, who sinned? Why was this man born blind? Was it his parents who sinned or was it he that was who sinned? And Jesus' answer to that was, neither. This man was born blind in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's hard for us to accept. Are we ill? Do we have a disability in order that the works of God might be displayed in our lives? That, that's what Jesus said. I, I put, if you're struggling with illness and disability, it's not necessarily your fault. And I just have to address this. I see about 20 patients in my office a day and probably about 15 of them would do a lot better 
if they would take care of themselves. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes our condition, our physical condition, is our fault when we don't take care of our bodies. And, and there, we could talk about this, do a whole other teaching about this, because um, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's something that we are given stewardship over, and there is something that is very important for us to take care of. It's something God gave us to do. As, as I get into this, these last two points, before we go into the prayer, I'd just like to have the band come down. Um, another point is the power of Jesus to heal today is no different than it was in the Bible. I, I mentioned this before. Jesus is the same God that he was in the Bible. He can heal you. Um, and I think many times we don't have because we don't ask. And God's, God's working. He's moving in the world today, and he wants to work, and he wants to work in your life. It says in James, it said, If any of you is sick, you should call the elders of the church who will anoint you with oil and pray for you. You know, we're, we're willing to do that. Your cell group is willing to do that. Your, your cell group is there to pray for you and lift you up. And God, many times, will answer that prayer. So we need to pray that in faith. Ultimately, every part of our lives, every part of us is subject to God's lordship and sovereignty. Even healing. We, are, we belong to God. We are his. He is our Lord. And that means, God, whatever you want to do in my life, do it. I don't want you to be just the ice cream who kind of slips in between all the other things in my life, all of my priorities. I want you to be Lord. I want you to be master of every part of my life, including my body. And I realize this is a real hard teaching. It's real, real personal for many of us. But I really believe that God wants to be sovereign in your life and he wants to heal every part of you. So let's just pray. Lord, we want you to be Lord. We want you to be sovereign in every part of our lives, no matter what that means. Uh, our lives belong to you. And we look in the scriptures and we see how you, Lord Jesus, you, you healed people who came to you, who put their trust in you. And we believe that you haven't changed. You're the same God who lives today. But ultimately, Lord, the, the most important thing is we want our lives to be right in your sight. We want to be right with you. We need your forgiveness. And if there's anybody here who, who has never made you Lord of their lives, Lord, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would move in their lives right now and change their heart and lead them to yourself, Lord, because we just want you to be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. God, we call upon your name this morning. 
heal us from the inside out. We're, we're thankful that you're always here for us when we need you. We praise your name this morning, Father. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hi, I'm Rebecca. Hola, me llamo Rebecca. Uh, nos vemos a las siete el sábado para Luau y película. So we'll see you Saturday for Luau and movie. Have a good day. Adios. <laughs>